0: Welcome everybody back to unfiltered veterinary discussions today we are going to talk about convention season you will be hearing this podcast in February so we will already had one major convention underneath our belt with another one coming up um BMX is in January WVC is in February Um, Today, we are discussing and batting around this whole concept and what it means with Cody, Peter, Jenny, and David. If you would like to know more about us, please visit our website at Unfiltered Bet Discussions. And let's take it off. So for starters, in the room, I think four out of five of us are going to the convention. I think, Cody, you're our holdout for not going to the next convention. Correct.
1: Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm the holdout. I've. I've not. You know, I, I've got the geographical uh, excuse being up in Canada. Um, but I've. I've not ever been to the the two big ones. I've. I've got to go to AHA this past year, um, to speak. But uh, I've never been to BMX, and I've never been uh, to Western at the actual conference. I've just done a breakfast meeting. Like I've met up with a vet. Uh, while I was while I was there but didn't go to the conference proper but but yeah I've never got to experience the mega mega uh conferences just the big ones in Canada
0: cool cool
2: so I'll uh, I'll age myself by saying the first time I attended wVC was 1990. And I attended as a veterinarian, hoping to learn something, sat in on a lot of practice management, walked through the exhibit hall like a um, with with my eyes wide open. And um, it was uh, it, it was an interesting experience trying to figure out how to get everything back home after walking through the exhibit hall and and collecting I, I felt like the garbage man just collecting all the garbage that was there. And, and since then, of course, I've gone back a variety of times and now as a speaker. And now even in the coming conferences at VMX, um, I'm not speaking, but there's so much going on. I, I remember as an undergrad at, at Cornell, we would go to the student union and just hang out at front. And we'd call it FaceTime because you just went to have people see your face. So why am I going to Orlando and spending five nights besides the fact that I've got a plethora of meetings and some some other things to do, it's for FaceTime.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a big social component. I think, I, you know, I'm not a veterinarian. So for, for me, it's with the colleagues. It's with connecting with the past clients, maybe future clients, but that's not really why I'm going. It is seeing all the people I already know. I'm excited to meet new people. And, and to teach a session, although this year uh, my sessions are on the virtual side for VMX, but it's I still have to do the booth work because the, the mothership has to pay the bills. So I've got to be in the Simmons booth. But it, it's, it's the social component, I think, that, that really drives and that I see. Yeah, you know, I I see the the folks who run into their classmates and they're a gaggle all moving around together and I appreciate the joy of that and I think that's something you don't get when you're sitting in a webinar or learning virtually and I've taught the virtual ones and they create the chat rooms and and try to facilitate that it's not the same though as not. as being seen and and being able to talk with each other and go out for that morning breakfast or the late night wrap up. And that's where I see a lot of the excitement in the conferences. It was sparse for a while, but it does seem to be trending back. I think people want that social connection now. Maybe I'm projecting on them.
4: (laughs) No, I think you're right. I know the first time I went to Western was 2002 and I snuck in with, And um, I, uh, same thing, was overwhelmed, walked away with, I don't know how many free pens, which was spectacular. Uh, It's all about the pens. And I have my team members will be like, you better get us pens and bring us back pens. So that's my main reason for going to big conferences is pens. But no, I love seeing old classmates of my husband's because I was very involved in his vet class when he was there. But I also, for me, it's a lot of education. It's I take every year we do go down to VMX because that's in Florida. We're on the East Coast. That's just a quick, quick flight for us. Although I have been Western uh, quite a few times and spoken there. Um, But I usually take a vet, at least one CVT, you know, maybe an assistant, a receptionist. And we all go down and there's a track for everybody. And I show them a good time and we have a great time. And I am, Peter knows I'm a huge Disney fan. Um, and so I take him to Disney Springs. I take them, you know, maybe we go to Epcot. Maybe we, you know, it's just one of those things that it's a time to relax. It's a time to bond. It's a time for team building. It's a time for them to get excited. You know, you get home from these conferences and you're like, yes, we're going to make changes and we're going to do better And every, if you're the only person in your practice doing that, it's hard to get buy in. But if you take four or five people from your practice, from each kind of section, it's better buy in because they're like, oh, that's a great idea. I heard about that too. So for me, it's really about team building and education. But I do love seeing everybody. That's actually where I really met Peter and forced myself into his life. And, you know, it's a great place to find opportunities.
0: Yeah. I do
3: I I do see a lot of attendees miss an opportunity at these conferences. And our education system has pre-programmed to this that you sit in your seat, you face forward, you listen to what's being barfed into your head, and that's it. And the missed opportunity is they're not turning to the left and to the right and connecting with new folks who are attending that class for the same reason that that they're there for. They're having that issue. This is a hot topic for them, whether it's medicine or management. I'm on the management side. And they're not sharing experiences with each other and building that network. Even though they're coming to these conferences, the opportunity to get off of their island, they're bringing that island with them. And, and I think if they just – interacted more to the left and the right and, and expand that network and i see some people doing it which you know that may, that's so exciting to see but so many it's it put the blinders on and you know there's an opportunity to connect and i wish more would do that at these I meetings. think it's
4: hard for a lot of people i think <clears throat> the veterinary industry is you know we're it's insular only socially uh, appropriate, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how many times my mother-in-law yells at me for talking about diarrhea at the dinner table. You know I mean? There's a lot that we talk about that. And it's hard to get yourself to remember that now you're surrounded by those equally weird people. And so, because you're so used to kind of Shrinking back and saying, "Oh, that's not okay to talk about the cterebra that I just got out of a dog," you know, and nobody wants to know about that. So, I think it's very difficult. And and there's a lot of introverts in the veterinary field. And so, to make yourself uncomfortable and talk to somebody, ooh, that's scary.
0: You guys are cracking me up. Um, So, I do a booth too, like David. This will be our twentieth year at BMX. Um or my very first year, I can remember well, just like you, Peter, remembering and Jenny yours, half my booth didn't show up and it was the backdrop and I was devastated, but showed up was the table and some things and of course my big first show and I'm nervous and all that. So my girlfriend finds a big piece of paper and a marker and writes on the back of the booth, we build websites better than UPS delivers trade show booths. It was the best thing ever, because all the people came and took pictures to show their FedEx guy. Like I <laughs> thought that was the best thing, right? And so we go to these shows to meet people. We go to these shows to buy things. We go to have shows to have experiences. But you also know things go haywire, right? Like last year, they had about 10,000 extra people show up at VMX. And the first day, and I don't know if you remember this, David, but we got overran as vendors. We went through all our swag and giveaway. The badge machines weren't working. They just had so many people because they dropped the price and it was after COVID and it was the perfect, I mean, I literally stood up in my booth and had a wall of people slam into me. And I'm like, I- I've never had that at a veterinary show. So we will see if that happens again this year, but Jenny, you were cracking me up about this beforehand, the bright and shiny, bringing home the bright and shiny, right? And Peter, you were saying bright and shiny and David and I provide the bright and shiny at at the shows, we're we're the providers of this, but what happens to the bright and shiny when it comes home? Just curious, what happens for you guys? you guys use it? So we went into
2: a drawer um, under all sorts of different things till it got resurfaced at the Mm -hmm. end of the year when you filter out the fly shit from the pepper. So
4: (laughs) it's true. I have a gas. Oh, man, the camera keeps messing up. I have a gas sterilizer that I purchased at Western Veterinary Conference two years ago, and we're just now starting to use it. I mean, Uh but that being said, we usually go and we talk ahead of time as a team. Like my doctors are all like, here's what we need. You know, here's what would be helpful to us. And then um, we talk about it ahead of time so that when we show up, we're not like, oh, we want it all. You know, when we purchased a, a laser, We brought a technician who we felt would be excellent at rehab and stuff like that. We sent her to a full day of, how to use the laser, how to do rehab, all of this so that when we came back, we were prepared for her to train other people. We knew how to use the laser. We did our research on what was the best one. You know, we went to the demos and all of that. So it is very hard to, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us have like a form of ADD where we're like, Ooh, shiny object. But if we do our research ahead of time, you can kind of avoid most of that, but it is hard.
2: So I'm I'm very curious now that Cody has has been drenched with um conference rah-rahs, why he has been a little bit um aloof when it comes down to the big conferences in, in the US. Well, so
1: um it makes me think about what function do they serve and are they the best. Alternative to what we need today in 2024. So I'm assuming, Peter, give me a history lesson. Conferences initially were put together for CE. That their that's was their primary role, right? Veterinarians needed continuing education, so that was difficult. So they put together these things. You know, now CE is so abundant, so available, so high quality in a variety of different modalities. Um, You know, if what is the best parts of, of a conference where we didn't say the continuing education, should we be having a conference that doesn't have any continuing education? Should we just be getting together? Um, should we just do that networking stuff? It I I went two years to to Dr. Andy Rourke's um Uncharted conference, and I think he does an amazing job of that, you know, that 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 networking, that facilitation of that networking, um, you know, that that lifelong um relationship building. And and you know, I I always wonder. What is the sustainability of these large conferences because because now it's kind of just marketing right like like it it kind of is it, it's not the attendance uh fees don't sustain the cost of these things. So we obviously need vendors to help subsidize and sponsors to help subsidize me as a speaker at a conference. I'm never satisfied with my conference honorarium. Like when you actually fill, you know, cause I'm not selling anything either. So uh, to go and to make $1,200 and spend three days on the road and be exhausted by the time you get back home, like that's not very sustainable either. And I've had lots of chats with you know, Danielle Lambert and, and Brandon Brashears of like, what should the future of conferences actually look like? Um, you know, I love the networking, of course. I love the little vacation, but it, like I don't love being exhausted for a week after. I don't love getting sick every time I go. Um, right? So there's there is there's definitely what what could we do as an industry? to to promote the good. Let's get our CE all online. Um, let's let's bang that out, the, the high quality CE. And then should we just have a should we have like a Woodstock of, of veterinary medicine where we we're not even doing CE. We just all show up in one place and have a big party. And pass, back, the lunch,
3: pass the oh. joint around. <laughs> <laughs> we're well, coming we'll together for the active learning. Right? the the team building hands-on the 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 labs and and where there's actual interaction instead of that one-way conduit speaker in the front everyone sitting classroom style that can be online
2: well a, I, I think we have to teach differently going forward uh the the veterinarians who are leaving school right now have an eight and a half second attention span and a, and a 50 minute didactic is not how they absorb information so i joked with the former dean of of western with whom i do a podcast as well that we really need to be teaching in two and a half minute increments and we need to be doing uh two and a half minutes and then discussion and two and a half minutes and then discussion because that's how the world is and that's really what TikTok is and and everything else so i do I, i do agree with cody that the next generation will start to define things um about what people are willing to spend and what they're willing to do. And I think change is is imperative. Uh, We've we've just recovered from COVID and we've started to get people going out again to these big conferences. Last year's numbers were freaking nuts. But I do think that, uh, and they continue to be nuts for all conferences around the country. But I do think we have to start to think of different ways to educate the Gen Zs and the millennials uh, rather than the classic way that us baby boomers were taught.
3: And even at the state level, because I think those, those state conferences need to survive if only for the interconnectedness. Right. And, and which avoids the competition and, right. and it's a collaboration in every community and the, the doctors and the hospitals to be able to lean on each other and, and communicate. And that comes through some of those state and regional meetings as well. And, and, I, I think it's important for the profession that those stay, but they do need. I agree with with what you're saying, and Cody as well, needs to shift the focus And because the c e that that can come anywhere. That is the genesis and the origin. But we need to shift that.
0: So it sounds like <clears throat> to end up this podcast and wrap it up. <clears throat> we need to identify the psychological needs of people these days outside of c e and what would really fill their buckets and allow them to get on airplanes and travel to a different destination or a car drive. I mean, but a lot of, you know, people come from worldwide to BMX and WEC, So it's a bigger, bigger draw and a bigger pool, right? Um, <clears throat> what makes people do that? What makes them spend their dollars? What makes them set aside time in their life to go have this experience? And maybe as we dive in next week, some of us will get those answers. We will see on a further podcast. So thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to sharing a moment with you in the future. Until later. Bye.